0: Hey, friends, just quickly, my new book, The Proof is in the Plants, is now available. Get it from plantproof.com forward slash book. Thanks so much for all your ongoing support, and I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: my doctor just found me fascinating. He was very high profile rheumatologist, head of department at one of the major hospitals here, right? He said he's never seen anyone do what I do. No one even touched upon the directions that I went down. He just was amazed by things like my cholesterol levels. And what was funny to me was that he used to look at my cholesterol with as much interest as my inflammation, right? I'm trying to get inflammation down, but he's like, how do you do that with your cholesterol? He's like, if, you could bottle what you're doing with your cholesterol, it would be unbelievably transformative to the
0: world. That's Clint Patterson, and this is episode 154 of the Plant Proof Podcast. beautiful friends. Welcome back to another episode. As always, it's a delight, a pleasure to be here with you. For those who are tuning in for the first time, thank you so much for finally joining us, gracing us with your presence. I'm Simon Hill, host of this show, nutritionist, physiotherapist, and author. You're in my hands for the next little bit. So how are you doing? it's a crazy world out there right now absolutely crazy i certainly hope that you are finding time to look after yourself staying on top of the basics that leave us feeling better our nutrition hydration sleep mindfulness time in nature etc you know the things we can control Along with getting away from screens, these are what I come back to whenever I feel a little frazzled by all of the noise out there, which, let's be honest, affects us all to some degree. Like clockwork, though, returning to these fundamental practices leaves me feeling lighter in the mind, calmer, which then gets you into a, a nice space where you can take a step back, get a little perspective and focus on what's important in your own life, which usually just so happens to be a long way away from all of the noise. Now, please note that was a little bonus wisdom. That's not actually this week's Wednesday wisdom. We have someone else delivering that. My fellow Aussie, Clint Patterson founder of the Patterson Program, a wonderful program designed to help people with autoimmune arthritis, maximize health and minimize drug dependency. Throwing it all the way back to episode 61 here. Please do enjoy and I'll catch you on the other side.
1: My diagnosis was rheumatoid arthritis, but they have close brothers and sisters in psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, and fibromyalgia and things like this where the body's attacking itself. So you've got a body in a state of confusion. And medical science tells us that uh, it's an incurable disease. They don't know what causes it. And what they do know is that it's on the rise and worldwide autoimmune conditions are something that are becoming more prevalent. They're very, very debilitating. So what's happening is that in the case of rheumatoid arthritis, you've got your body attacking the synovial tissue around the joint and the cartilage and the the, uh, supportive tissue can all become inflamed as well. And what can happen, like happened with my left knee, is that it blows up with a huge amount of swelling. The cartilage gets deteriorated. And you can end up with a bone-on-bone situation in any of the joints in your body. Because what's happening is the body is mistaking a certain combination of amino acids, a protein, right? It's mistaking that protein as the enemy and therefore it starts attacking it. And what it happens is that once it finds it in your, say, the tissues of your fingers, it says, hey, I've also found it in the, in the metatarsals of your feet. Hey, I've also found it in the elbow joint because it's the same proteins, but just in different locations. I've heard of people waking up and they're basically feeling feeling like their entire body feels crippled. And then there was the more common cases like mine where it starts in a couple of joints and then it starts to spread. There are significantly more females affected by inflammatory arthritis. No one knows why. There is a high frequency of onset of rheumatoid arthritis after childbirth. And so there's one one link there that could be at play. There's another link around UTIs, which women get you know, a lot more than men. And there's a study published about the possible link between frequent UTIs and rheumatoid arthritis. And I think both of these speculations are valid. But there's also at play, I think, something to do more closely with the area that I am fascinated with, which is the gut, right? And from having a few girlfriends over the years, uh, before meeting my wife, I noticed that they were, some of them took non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs every month for painful cycles. So this would be several a day every single month since they hit puberty. Now, these things are known to cause leaky gut and to set ourselves up for the molecular mimicry. And so whilst the scale of the use of these is small month to month, potentially over a lifetime, because we're talking about common onset of disease mid-50s, right? So if you're doing that every month for decades, uh, there's going to be some gut damage, no doubt. Today's treatment for these autoimmune diseases, hit them as hard as you can as quick as possible because they have shown that long-term studies, long-term observation of people that their symptoms are better from a rheumatoid arthritis point of view if they go on massive amounts of drugs as quickly as possible. And that makes sense. And so if you're only looking at joint damage and only looking at inflammation, then yes, if you drop an enormous amount of medications on this, you're going to effectively reduce and and prevent that. But what's the hidden part of this is that those drugs can be a nightmare an absolute nightmare, the most dangerous of all drugs that are legally available. They have warnings on their marketing that says you know, the infections that can result from having your immune system suppressed can be very dangerous and fatal. I had to eliminate oils. Oils are the worst of all. So we could look at dairy and and meat, but if we bring someone in to us right now, we sat them down with rheumatoid and we were allowed to experiment on them for a couple of weeks, if you want to light them up, you make them eat lots of oil, give them hot chips, man. They won't be able to get out of the chair tomorrow. And when I say it's it's dramatic, I mean it's uh, it's incredibly, incredibly deleterious when you get into these uh, oils when you've got that inflammation sensitivity. And so when I stop putting olive oil, which isn't even one of the most inflammatory, right? Some people can tolerate some olive oil without Having too much of a reaction for my guys and people that I work with, absolutely no oils, right? But olive oil is not as catastrophic as the sunflower oils and the other oils that end up in hot chips and fried food. So anyway, I stopped putting olive oil on my salad. Boom! Massive breakthrough. Massive breakthrough. Another breakthrough was stop putting flax seeds in my smoothie, which even today I I, I run into some small debates with some people about. Um, boom! Another breakthrough, and so I realised. Hey, it's the fat. I can't break down fat. I couldn't break down the fish oil, right? Which is just fat, and I couldn't break down the oils in my. You know, there's a lot of inflammation there, and then I'm the flax seeds, and now I'm doing better with that. So I was making these connections, but then the biggest breakthrough was when I actually I ate a whole bunch of cherries without washing them, and I had diarrhea and and vomiting for 24 hours, and after that, I felt like absolutely perfect. And so I thought, was it because I'm purging or was it because I was empty? And so I fasted deliberately a, a few weeks later once I sort of felt a bit better and all the pain went away again. And that's when I looked at the science behind fasting and rheumatoid arthritis, which I'd never tried to find. And there it was. 14 people go on a on a seven-week water fast. Everyone's symptoms have been eliminated. I, I basically at the time thought that I need to eat in a way that requires my body to do as little work as possible because it looks like my body is crap. Like I can't digest anything. I'm, my, my body's just shut down the digestion. And so it seemed to me that sprouting nuts and seeds so that they were pre digested and then eating lots of fruits that were super easy to digest is probably going to be the way to go. And that's what I did. So I ate sprouted almonds. Sprouted macadamias, sprouted pumpkin seeds, salad and fruit for eight months. Nothing else but that. So naturally, so I thought I was skinny before, and this took me right down to sixty-three kilos. I'm six-two, right? A lot of concern around the weight loss. When we're talking weight loss, I mean, mine was shocking. So I was really, really bony, and. This is what worried my family the most. They were like having private conversations. I later became aware of, you know, they saying Clint could end up in a wheelchair and like it's really, and it's all true. People do, right? And I was still on the medications. Now I'd I'd ended up on the methotrexate, as I said, I was on, I ended up getting to maximum dose and the doctor was talking about what next. You know, we talked about the biologics, like that's where we were headed. And now I'm doing this raw food diet and the raw food diet after eight months. I've been on the chimpanzee diet, right? That's what they eat, fruits and nuts and seeds. I had not reduced my medication, but I had reduced my inflammation a lot. And then what I did is I read a book called The Enzyme Factor by Hiromi Shinya, who's a gastroenterologist, was the guy who invented a way of removing polyps without using surgery, okay? So he's very, very famous and highly regarded gastroenterologist And he eats a plant-based diet. And he says that he eats the same meal every day. It's just buckwheat and quinoa and millet and some brown rice. Like it's all he eats all the time. Oh, and fruits, right? He eats fruits. And I'm like, if this guy's an expert in the bowel, and I know I'm trying to heal my bowel, and he looks at bowels every day. And one of his famous quotes is, I've never seen a colon from anyone that looks healthy who consumes dairy on a regular basis. He's never seen one. You're eating dairy, colon, guaranteed it doesn't look healthy, right? And I'm like, this guy's my man, right? So what I did is I just started eating like shinya, buckwheat, quinoa, and, and, and brown, I didn't eat the brown rice, buckwheat, quinoa, millet, amaranth, hated millet, had to set that aside. So just brought it back to buckwheat, quinoa, amaranth, and it wasn't causing any inflammation to come back. And so then I'm, hallelujah, now I'm eating some cooked food. I started to put a couple of kilos back on. Then I was able to eat some, some rice, some sweet potatoes. And I started to have cooked food back in my diet. And life started to look good because I was now running low inflammation. My blood tests were good. And I was getting off this really, really hard raw food diet and looking a bit better. My doctor just found me fascinating. He was very, very high-profile rheumatologist, head of department at one of the major hospitals here, high accolades, very, very senior medical professional, right? He said he's never seen anyone do what I do. No one even touched upon the directions that I went down. And he just was amazed by things like my cholesterol levels. And what was funny to me was that he used to look at my cholesterol with as much interest as my inflammation. I couldn't give a toss about my my cholesterol, right? I'm trying to get inflammation down. But he's like, how do you do that with your cholesterol? He's like, if you could bottle what you're doing with your cholesterol, it would be unbelievably transformative to the world. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Hey, look at my CRP and my ESR. They're down to normal. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's good as well. You know, But he just thought the cholesterol thing was a fascinating thing. I mean, it's pretty simple when you're treating these conditions. You basically have a whole bunch of medications of which there's a hierarchy. And then you've got a person in front of you and you can monitor them in two ways. Look at their joints and see if they're blown uninflamed. And, uh, and look at their blood markers. If their blood markers are high and they look inflamed because you touch and feel their joints, you better give them more drugs. Yeah. And if their symptoms look pretty low and their joints are cool and the joints move and they're not red and inflamed and their blood levels look fine, then the drugs they're on at the moment are just fine. And that's pretty much the approach, obviously, with a massive number of complications when someone's pregnant, they're trying to fall pregnant, they can't tolerate a certain class of drug, and that's where it gets complicated. But the general approach is increase or keep the same. No one's talking lowering. No one's really talking. Let's get off the drug. Mm. But I wanted to get off that methotrexate. And I said, look, if we can get a couple of months in a row of normal inflammation levels and normal blood, can we start to get off the medication? The doctor said, yes. He's like, yeah, okay, let's, let's do it. And I had some ups and downs. I, it was hard for me to get consistent low blood tests over three, four months, but I was able to, we went from 25, 20, 17.5, 15. And I was on 15 milligram when I got married did my honeymoon in Hawaii and discovered papaya. Now, papaya, rich in papain, an enzyme that helps digestion of proteins. I ate papaya before every single cooked meal that I had in Hawaii. And by the time we left three weeks in Hawaii, I could eat so many more foods than what I could before we went to our wedding. So then I'm like, Totally like pumped about my progress because now blood. is I'm now eating black beans and rice. I'm eating burritos. God forbid. It had been years since I'd been able to eat something so delicious. And then when we're in the States, we pack up. We fly back to Australia to recommence, re-get back into our life in Australia. Oh, shit. I've left the methotrexate in America. So we get back to Australia. It takes me a week before I realize it's time to take the drug. A week goes by. I didn't look for it. I look for it and think I better take it. It's not there. We might be in the States. We contact uh, my mother in law. She looks for it, gets back to us the next day, says, Oh, yeah, it's here. What do you want to do with it? Oh, I'll send it to Australia. It takes her a day or two. She sends it, takes 10 days to get to Australia. By that point, I'm nearly two and a half, three weeks and I haven't taken the drug. It, it's a very slow onboarding and slow offboarding drug. Nothing happens when you take it for the first month. Okay. And it doesn't start to leave your body for a few weeks after you, yeah. So I debated about it, and I ummed and and we didn't really talk about it, and I just didn't take it, right? And I have never taken it since, and my inflammation levels didn't shift. So I was on that final 15 milligram of methotrexate, and it had absolutely zero effect on me by that time when I stopped taking it, and I didn't know. So here we were like incrementally tweaking it down 2.5 after several months of inflammation and the whole time, if I'd have just stopped it like I did, um, nothing happened. I don't recommend that approach, but that that was fascinating. At that point... When I like coming back and I was under the bean burritos and stuff coming back to Australia, I was all in plant-based. I was like, there's no way I'm ever eating that stuff again. There's, There's just no way. I've got no interest in ever having dairy again. The meat, occasionally, once every blue moon, I get tempted by the smell of a meat. I believe that we all have genetic predispositions and weaknesses to all sorts of conditions based on our family history but we dramatically reduce the likelihood of any of those becoming a reality in our life by eating the right foods. And so, yes, there is a statistical increase likelihood of someone with rheumatoid arthritis if in their past to develop it themselves, but my rheumatologist told me straight up, you guys can have kids. There's no problem with having children. And we had to get off the methotrexate, which was a huge driver, right? That was one of my big motivators. But he said, it's okay to have kids. They're not going to get this disease. Now, he was quite emphatic about they won't get it. But I think that, you know, there is a heightened risk and we have to be careful. That's why we don't give the kids dairy. Dairy is a big risk factor. During some concentration camp, during wartime, there were some Australian and New Zealand prisoners There was an Australian doctor who was looking after them as also a prisoner of war and keeping an eye and keeping notes on these other people, and some of them had rheumatoid arthritis. It was recorded that after just eating the very, very basic foods that were given to them by the prison guards, which was just potatoes and rice, that all their symptoms went away. This is a story that's known within the rheumatology community Getting back to the absolute basics of the food, the simplest, most unprocessed, most humble possible foods, would not just me. It's the prisoner of war, guys, as well.
0: There we go. Wealth of knowledge that Clint Patterson and doing great things with his program, having helped thousands of people with autoimmune arthritis dramatically improve their quality of life. For those who perhaps want a little more information about dietary interventions, including vegan and vegetarian diets, as well as fasting and rheumatoid arthritis, I have put a link to two very recent reviews that were published in the Frontiers in Nutrition Journal, one from 2017 and one from 2019 these reviews are great. They go through the various trials that have investigated dietary interventions and rheumatoid arthritis, dietary interventions and inflammatory markers in general, how the microbiome may be involved, specific foods and rheumatoid arthritis and much more. I've also put a link to Clint's website so you can connect with him and learn more about the Patterson program should that be relevant to you or your family or perhaps a friend. You can also, of course, go back to episode 61 and listen in full. Now, my friend, yes, I'm talking to you. Before I let you go and get on with your day, if you have read my book and you can spare two minutes, please jump over to goodreads.com and leave a review. I love reading them, and they really do help people who are perhaps sitting on the fence to decide whether or not to, to grab a copy. And as you know, all proceeds are going to half-cut a non-for-profit organization that is helping save the Daintree Rainforest. And of course, I hope that the information inside is of use and benefit to everyone that reads it. So it's really a win-win for all involved. That's how I see it anyway. All right, shall we land this plane? I think so. As always, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I appreciate you and I look forward to repeating it all again in a few days time. Until then, remember, more plants, my friends, more plants.